Um, for the collegiate level, ac academics is the number one most important thing. Um, you have to be able to get a kid into school. Um, so, you know, obviously that's really important, having a good academic profile. Um, once we know that the kid's, you know, eligible to get into school and his grades and test scores fit, then we go on to, you know, see what his baseball profile looks like. Making an Athlete, a show about athletes, coaches, scouts, trainers, and the stories behind their careers and what it takes to build yours. Welcome to Making an Athlete. I'm Ty Davis, and on today's show, we talk to Tiger Peterson, current St. Louis Cardinals AA hitting coach. Tiger was a three-year starter at the University of Pacific and drafted in the 33rd round by the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has a long resume of high-level coaching that includes MLB's International Elite Camp in Taiwan, collegiately at Cal Poly in Hawaii Pacific, and led the Duluth Huskies to a championship in the coveted Premier Collegiate Baseball Northern Summer League. Today, Tiger breaks down the baseball recruiting process and how colleges approach potential prospects. Tiger, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Awesome. Happy to be here, Ty. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So, hey, how did you choose baseball uh, growing up, and did you play any other sports uh, during that process? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, so I grew up in uh, Palo Alto, California, in a baseball family. Um, Dad played baseball for, for 13 years professionally um, and definitely was a big advocate for playing all different sports. So growing up, I played basketball, soccer, baseball, football, tennis, you name it. You know, we, we played it all. Um, and Dad was very big on, you know, playing all the sports and figuring out what you like best. Um, and then, you know, getting specialized when, you know, I guess it's more of a forced thing as opposed to, uh, getting specialized too early. So we did that growing up in high school. Um, I started having to narrow it down. So I only played football, basketball, and baseball in high school since they wouldn't let me play four sports. Um, and then in college, my first year, I still hadn't, uh, gotten specialized yet. I actually played football and baseball, um, at the university of Redlands down in LA um, did that for a year, ultimately decided I wanted to, uh, pursue baseball, um, transferred to university of Pacific, had a red shirt a year on my transfer year, and then just focused on baseball only. Um, ended up, uh, being really fortunate and having a good career at university of Pacific, um, was eventually drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 2013, uh, MLB player draft played professional baseball for four years before I got into coaching. Um, and that's where I'm at now. And I've been coaching for the last three years and, and really enjoy being on the other side, um, of the game. Awesome. And that's, that's, that's nice little, uh, path to where you are today. Um, not, not so little actually, but a nice big path, uh, making it to different levels. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here today is, um, as you went on to those next levels, what were the expectations? What got you there? Um, and now as a coach, and I believe you have some uh, experience, you, you coached um, at the university level as well. So it'd be awesome um, to learn more, you know, what you're looking at in those collegiate athletes. And then even that, that difference between collegiate athlete and professional athlete and what the differences are there. Um, so I guess uh, before we move on to, you know, coach specific questions, um, still want to just talk about uh, a little bit of, of, about you 
and your experience mm-hmm. as an athlete and um, you know, what was that motivation that kept you going and, and wanting to get to that next level when you were playing baseball or football? Too, um, yeah. Well, you know, I was definitely motivated um, to always be the best that I could be. Um, that was always the number one most important thing. And I think that was, that kind of came at an early age um, for my dad being a coach um, and always just, you know, pushing us to, to try to be the best. Um, he always, you know, try to keep things in perspective and, you know, try to find us the best, um, you know, talent to play against and compete and just, um, let us know that there's a lot more out there than, than being the best on your, your town team or, you know, in your, in your league, but, uh, the Dominican Republic and, um, seeing what it's like, um, for baseball players to compete, um, you know, over there and just kind of opened our eyes and gave us perspective to like, these are the kids we're competing against and you have to be really good if you want to really do this, um, for a job and, and for a living and to play at the professional level. It's not just being the best in your city isn't, isn't always good enough. So that really opened my eyes and gave me a new perspective. And so I always had that in the back of my mind. Like I'm not just competing here on this team or in this league, but you know, more on a, worldwide, um, scale. Um, so anyways, that was kind of, uh, what drove me a lot, um, and kind of created that, that perspective and, and drive to try to be the best. Um, yeah. All right. And, and how did that uh, play into like your, your regimen or your training regimen growing up? You know, what was, if you have, you know, just a little, um, you know, perspective on, on how you trained or how you approach that just because these listeners out here are parents, they're, they're athletes, um, with that motivation, you know, what was your approach uh, to training and maybe, yeah, an example of, if you have one of what you're doing in high school. Definitely. Yeah. In high school, um, well, I played football, basketball, baseball. So it was always year round training. Um, the training was always different and I think the crossover, um, was really good. Um, so as I got specific in baseball, like my training in football and basketball definitely helped carry over to make me more athletic, to help me move. Um, you learn about, you know, being able to work in a team, um, understanding different game strategies, all those different things I think are very valuable. Um, the training specific, um, was really good. I know in football, we would have, uh, you know, conditioning tests and double days and stuff like that. So you kind of learn, you know, how to prepare your body physically and mentally double days is not, um, easy for anybody who's gone through that. You're usually out there in the summer, you know, hundred degrees sweating and you practice in the morning, you take a little break at lunch and, and practice again at night, um, or in the evening. And, uh, you know, so going through that, I think it definitely tests your, your physical and mental, um, stressors and that definitely helped carry over into baseball. As we all know, baseball, you know, it's a game of failure and you definitely have to, you know, have a strong mental game in order to, to have success. Um, and then I'd say the basketball training was really good working on my agility, um, side to side movement, um, speed, court awareness, just having good vision and perspective on the whole game. Um, so I think that training and just, you know, being able to, compete, you know, in a, in a basketball training environment was something that was super valuable for my infield defense. Um, and just being able to move laterally and, and obviously my speed, um, things that are, that are really valuable at the, uh, 
in the baseball realm. Um, so all my training definitely carried over and was able to help me become the athlete that I am today and, and help prepare me for when I did become specialized um, and focus on baseball only. I had these great athletic experiences in training um, to kind of lean on. You know, you talk about playing multiple sports in high school. Now, did you, and, and baseball became your, your sport of choice you know, at the collegiate level and the professional level. Um, when when you were doing those multiple sports, were you still training for, you know, if it's basketball season, are you still are you still training for baseball or did you just take a break? And, you know, when baseball season's here, that's what you did. Or when football season's here, that's what you did. Or was there a crossover? That's a really good question. Um, I was definitely training for the other sports um, year round. And I was a little bit more intentional with my training. I know, for example, when I was playing basketball, that baseball season was coming up. Um, so I would be playing catch, making sure my arm was in shape, um, you know, making sure that I was getting in a cage and getting my swing dialed in because basketball would run into baseball. I never wanted to, to be behind the ball in my baseball training, um, and let basketball kind of get in the way of that. I only wanted basketball to enhance my baseball skill set. Um, so I was making sure that my body was in shape and I was capable to jump in the season and get going right away because you don't have that that grace period to kind of jump into it when you're rolling from one sport into the next. Um, same thing goes for basketball. Like when I was in football season, um, I'd make sure that I was at the gym running liners and getting my shots up, um, you know, working on my game to make sure that when the basketball season came, I had got enough shots up and my legs were underneath me where, where I could go out there and, and be an impact player. Um, so there's definitely, there's definitely crossovers happening there. I know in the summer, you know, you have it all going on. I was playing seven on seven football, um, you know, travel baseball showcases and tournaments and balancing that with, you know, your AAU basketball schedule and, uh, you know, playing summer league with a high school team. So that, at that time it got a little bit crazy and you're going, you know, from football to basketball to baseball, maybe all in the same day. Um, but luckily I had, uh, uh, some parents who were very supportive and, and were able to take me to all those different events and, um, you know, help me chase my, my goals. So definitely yeah. lots of carryover. Not only do you just, uh, uh, you know, family of uh, four kids, uh, you have three siblings too. So that's a lot of, uh, balancing mm -hmm. and driving around for sure. Yeah. They were professional Uber drivers before <laughs> that became a thing. Exactly. So, as, as you're going through high school and you're making these choices to uh, go to, you know, the University of Redlands and then uh, mm -hmm. on the UOP, um, what what went into making those choices of, uh, you know, and I, I can maybe I'll guess with Redlands because, uh, I mean, I know University of Pacific well because that's where I, I went to school, but I'm guessing Redlands had both football and baseball. So that that helped with the choice. But what made you want to be mm -hmm. a, a, a still a, a multiple sport athlete at the college level and then? Uh, then make that choice to go to UOP to focus on baseball? Yeah, um, definitely. That's a good question. I think that I wasn't ready to make a choice. Uh, my senior year in high school, I was getting recruited to play football and baseball at a lot of different schools um, and at higher levels, but I would have had to chose to either go play division one baseball or division one football. And there wasn't any division one schools that wanted me or was going to allow me to play both. University of Redlands was very open to me playing two sports. Um, and since it was football and baseball, the two seasons were, 
you know, spread out enough where I could play football and do baseball workouts. And then when football ended, go right into baseball and, and have plenty of time to be prepared for that. Um, so it was just a good fit. Um, I think that the opportunity was why I pursued it. And then after doing it for a year, I kind of realized that, um, you know, baseball was my calling. I'd had a pretty good freshman season and wanted to, wanted to pursue it at the division one level. Cause I thought that would give me the best shot to play professionally. And that was my ultimate goal at that point. Um, but you know, everybody takes different paths and, and I didn't know that that was going to be my passion and goal until I got to that point. So, um, you know, I was really fortunate that Redlands allowed me to explore that, um, opportunity of playing both and, and figure out what my next move was going to be. During that process of what you talked about, what, what was it like in terms of the recruiting process, you know, and, and the interactions with the coaches that are reaching out to you, wanting you to play for their schools, um, you know, at University of Redlands or with anyone else that maybe you didn't choose to go to uh, or University of mm-hmm. Pacific, what, what was it like in that process? And this is just something for our listeners out there that um, they can understand what to expect when that time comes. Definitely. Um, well, it started with a lot of letters. So in high school, you know, you'd get letters to attend a prospect camp. Um, you know, you'd get your, the emails and a lot of schools will reach out in regards to, Hey, we want you to get on campus and and come to this prospect camp or, you know, send us your schedule for the summer. We'd like to come see you play your baseball game or whatever the case may be. Um, I only got recruited for football and baseball. Um, no basketball stuff, but you know, it was a wide range of schools. You'd get, you know, your D threes and, and JCs and NAIAs all the way up to, you know, D twos and D ones. Um, and so, you know, it can be a little bit overwhelming. You're getting a lot of interest and, you know, to know, like, are they really interested in me? Do they just want to get, you know, have me pay for a prospect camp and make some money. Um, so trying to navigate the whole recruiting process is something that can be very challenging for a lot of parents and families. Um, and obviously, you know, when you get, when you first get those initial letters or invitations to prospect camp, it's a very, uh, exciting feeling, you know, you feel like, like they really want you. Um, and so I think just being intentional and doing your research to find out if they really know who you are and, and know what you're about and take the time to, you know, talk to you on the phone or maybe, um, get to know your family and all those kind of things are important when, uh, when choosing which events that you go to and how that recruiting process is going to go. Um, so for me, I know I had to have my dad help me navigate those things. Um, but I wanted to eventually go to a place where, where I had seen the coaches face to face and they know me, they know what I wanted to do. Um, they were, you know, understanding of my family and my background and where I come from and were able to help me best. Um, but there's a lot of cases in in which people aren't as fortunate and they don't have options to, uh, to, to do those different things. Um, but if you, if you are fortunate and you have that situation where you can make choices then definitely doing your research about the school and, and the person that's reaching out and recruiting you, um, and just making sure that it's more on a personal level as opposed to, uh, just a, an email blast saying, come to our camp or, you know, maybe they send out a thousand, um, camp requests, um, in a, in a, uh, in a letter. So, um, so just making sure that it's in, you're intentional with your time. 
And that makes perfect sense. And let's let's talk about that a little bit more in terms of um, what what to expect with camps. And, and I guess for this, put on your coaching hat here. And and the flip side, not not um, from what you went through, but now looking out as a coach, uh, whether it's at the college, well, let's just say the college level, because I know you you coach at the college level. But what can be expected? when parents and um, young athletes are going to these camps, you talk about this prospect camp, um, you know, what is the, the um, expectations that should be had going into this uh, for those athletes and for those parents? Yeah. Um, so the prospect camps are great opportunities to get on campus, to meet the staff, um, to see if it's a good fit, start building those relationships and getting that in-person time. That's super valuable. Um, I think that there's a lot of value to going to prospect camps for schools that are very interested in you and you are interested in attending. Um, usually prospect camps are just a, a camp for that specific school. Um, there's not other schools attending or other coaches where a different, you know, showcase may have 30 or 40 different schools. So it's not, it's more intimate. Um, and I think there's a lot of value to them, but you have to be intentional with where you go because they are expensive and you want to make sure that, you know, you're actually going to be getting looked at, um, and have an opportunity to potentially attend that school. Um, so I think the way the recruiting process goes, um, and that process goes, you just want to make sure that it's, that it's a good fit. Um, and the college coaches are looking for guys, at that time that are going to come in and, and be able to fill roles. And usually they will invite, you know, their top, their top prospects and, and guys that are high on their, on their want list. Um, and it gives them a good time to feel out their character and personality and how they get along with the staff and other players and all those different things. Um, so that time is really important for the college recruiters to see what they're going to get as opposed to maybe just seeing a kid at a showcase you know, and sitting on him for a day and, and maybe only seeing him for a couple of ABs or something like that, but not get to see his character and interactions. Okay. And then do those top prospects, do they, do they often get like the invitation? Is that, do they have to pay for their, that prospect camp or are they often like that's waived when they, uh, usually it's all, everybody pays. There may be specific situations where there might be a scholarship or financial aid situation, but, um, for the most part, that doesn't happen. Okay. And then uh, you talked about uh, showcase camps uh, and you talked a little bit about the difference. So what, what are the expectations mm-hmm. that people um, can be, can have when they, they go to a, um, a showcase camp? Showcase camps um, are good because there's lots of different colleges that attend. Um, so you'll get, depending on the showcase, you can get coaches from different regions, um, different conferences, all the way to, you know, different levels of play, maybe D1, D2, all the way to JC, D3, and AIA. So depending on what kind of camp you go to, I think determining your level of play and, you know, where you see yourself um, and then being realistic with, with the schools that are recruiting you and just making sure that you attend the right camp because there's very different, different levels of camps. Um, so, you know, if you're not a D1 type player, going to, you know, a D1 prospect camp is probably not going to be your best bet, but, you know, maybe going to a a smaller school camp where 
their schools, uh, maybe more academic schools. And if that's something that's important, so just finding the right fit, um, there'll be a ton of players and a ton of coaches typically at these events and, uh, lots of opportunities to get seen by, by a wide range of schools. And I think, uh, yeah, just being really realistic with, with your goals and where you think you can fit. Um, because you're obviously going to be investing your time money and, um, you want to be intentional with where, where those investments go. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And I think, you know, with, with going to these camps and not only that, but as you look to get to the next level, um, I know you, you hope that you, you are able to compete with the best of them, but, uh, you know, expectations or understanding that, um, you know, it's not just division one's not the, you know, all and end all end all where if you don't go D one, mm-hmm. there's, there's no other, you know, places you could play baseball. Um, I always had a, a high school right. that said, you know, no matter what you have, you know, five more years of baseball, five more years. And, and being that one of those years is, you know, always could be a redshirt year as well. He said, you'd have five mm-hmm. more years of baseball and somewhere will let you, you know, you could play somewhere. Um, and yep. I guess what I'm going into is just talking more about, you know, when you were uh, a coach as well, how, it was viewed at different levels. Like I was a JUCO transfer, you know, I'll be first to admit that out of high school, um, you know, I can, yep. I can, I threw, you know, 80, not 80, poo, I threw 70 something poo. And, you know, I was 17 years old. I was young. And then over the course of the year, I gained 30 pounds and then, you know, I matured. And that was just the path that I took because I, I was young, I was small and JUCO was right for me. And then I ended up at a division one school. Um, and could have ended right. up division two and still played baseball or division three and AI had all those choices and all still choices to play baseball. Um, I guess what, what's your, you know, your advice on uh, athletes that they, they maybe don't have a division one scholarship out of high school. What approach can they take? Yeah, I think, you know, you touched on your path of going the junior college route and then getting an opportunity to play at division one level after that. I think that's a great, option um i think being realistic with your goals and and having those in mind and seeing where you fit in is really important um and then trying to make a game plan to to reach those goals but there's lots of avenues to get to a college education or to get to the division one level or whatever the case may be for your specific goals um but I think there's lots of different routes also. And just to be educated on the different routes and, and what that looks like, everybody develops at different times. Um, you, for example, were more of a late bloomer, like you mentioned, and you gained 30 pounds and some below over time. And if you would have tried to go to a division one school out of freshman year, you might not have had the same experience as, you know, going to a junior college and, and getting that weight and velocity up and, you know, two years of experience under your belt before you, before you make the jump. I know for I, me, my, my experience would have been done if I went out of high school to D one, cause they would have said, get out of here. Right. For sure. And I would have had the same experience. Um, I was not ready to play division one baseball. Um, my freshman year out of Palo Alto high school, I just wasn't not to say that over time, you know, that can change, but everybody develops at different times. And I was, you know, five ten, 165 pounds in high school. And I just wasn't where I needed to be for that no level at that time. For playing um, so division three was a great um, opportunity to go and play in school because there's no replacement for playing time and developing or, um, you know, going to a big name school because it's a big name school and sitting you know, on the bench not or, for, you know, getting for cut or not getting an opportunity to play is, you know, that's not, 
for, for athletic standpoint, that's not where you want to be. Um, if that school fits you academically and you don't mind not playing, then that's a different story. Um, but if you're looking to go play somewhere and be a part of a program, you want to go somewhere where, you know, you have an opportunity to do so and you know, where you can develop and, and continue to grow. And I think, um, you know, the junior college, the lower level, uh, D2, D3, NAIs are good grounds for doing so. Um, and you hear a lot of success stories like what you just shared and, and what I'm sharing now about guys that start at different levels and end up playing at the, you know, division one level or, um, even on to playing professional baseball. Um, so there's lots of different paths. And I think that if I did not go to play baseball at a division three and then red shirt the next year, um, I would have had a successful division one baseball playing career because I would have, I probably wouldn't have made a team my freshman year and I would have got cut. And, um, that's, you know, that's something that's really difficult to deal with. Um, but by the time I had, you know, done those two years, my third year out of college, you know, as a red shirt sophomore, I was ready to play and compete at the division one level. Um, and I was able to become an impact player at university of Pacific and go on to have a good career. Um, but that was three years out of high school. I wouldn't have been ready my first year. And you did have a good career and I got to, I got to witness that. Well, at least most of it, I think, uh, you're a little bit younger than me. So I was, I graduated, but from a distance, uh, after that, I could, I could watch you and get to the next level. From a coach's perspective, when you were out there recruiting, and remind me, uh, you were at uh, uh, Hawaii Hilo and uh, uh, I was at Hawaii Pacific, Hawaii um, Pacific a Division Two on Oahu, and then Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, a Division One in the Big West Conference. Okay, and then you you also were a summer coach out in the Northwoods. Yes, I managed in the California Collegiate League my first summer, um, and then I managed in the Northwoods Collegiate League my second summer. Okay. And so with that perspective and, and Tigers with seeing a lot of different levels of, of, um, you know, baseball players and ability, you know, what are you looking, let's go for both the D2 and I mean, D2 and D1 often I'm, I'm thinking the approach is the same, but, um, talk about what you're looking for, um, in a, in a baseball player when you're recruiting them. For the collegiate um, level, for the collegiate level, for the collegiate level. not not the professional the level, but for the collegiate thing. level. Right? Okay, um, you have to be able um, to for the collegiate get level. A kid ac- academics um, is the number one so most important thing. You know, um, you have really to be able to get, get a kid into school. Um, one so we know that the kid, you know, obviously, you know, that's really important. School, having a good academic profile. Once we know that the kid, you know, eligible to get into school and his grades and test scores fit then we go on to, you know, see what his baseball profile looks like. Um, and by that, you know, we're looking for specific tools, um, from a position player, obviously speed, defense, hitting, um, throwing ability and good character, um, are going to be the, um, the most important and getting good um, reports. There's more and then, than, you know, having good character, being a good baseball player, um, but, and getting a good reports, your there's more things that are representing your important than just being a good baseball player, but individual when you're bringing a kid into your university and representing your university, you want who are going to be high character individuals, guys that are going to and part of a good, do well in the community, guys who are going to be more, you know, a good university in the clubhouse and part of a good culture, baseball, um, building something more important at the university level than just baseball players. Um, so you need guys that are going to fit that mold um, and what you're trying to do um, from a pitching standpoint, you're obviously looking for a guy with a good arm, good size, 
um, some projectability, uh, obviously velocity and ability to stay in the strike zone um, and mixed pitches. So all those things the ability um, to compete are attributes. I always look for guys, um, that, pitchers that, that you look that for, factor, um, guys that want to the win. ability to compete. That, you know, I always look for guys that have that, 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 have that factor, um, guys that want to win, grit, that you know that have that good work ethic, um, that have grit. Um, yeah, and just high character individuals. Those are those are kind of the keys. Um, there's a lot of guys who academic profiles fit those baseball profiles fit but the separator for me always is is he a good kid um does he want to get after it is he going to be a good you know a good fit in our program um and if the answer is yes and then, then those are the kind of kids i go after okay so if you you get your guy like you or not your guy obviously there's multiple guys you're, you're trying to get out on your on your squad um what what are the steps for, uh, as a coach that you take to um, reach out to that prospect? And, you know, when it comes down to time to offering scholarship, um, if you have a scholarship to offer, because, uh, you know, with listeners out there, different sports at different levels have, you know, an allotted amount that they can offer with baseball. Uh, I believe it's still 11.7 that um, of uh full ride or 11.7 scholarships that could be offered and spread out amongst 35 guys or 30 guys. Um, when you, you find your guy, what's the process letting him know you're interested and then getting that final offer on the table and getting him on your team. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of specifics to it and a ton of rules and time periods of when you can contact or when you can't, depending on what year they're in school, uh, what time of year it is. Um, but you know, if the if it falls within you know uh, the right time period and and they're the right grade, then I would you know you want to start with a conversation. Um, obviously, get them on the phone, um, see what their interest level is, and then hopefully get them on campus for a prospect camp. Um, be able to see them play in that environment, and usually that's when uh, the process starts. And and then at that point, you'd probably make a decision after you've you've seen him at your prospect camp and, and how he does, um, you know, in person and with the other athletes there, um, how he fits. But yeah, sometimes it's a short process and sometimes, you know, guys, you sit on a guy one time and you're quick and pull the trigger. Um, you know, maybe it's late in the kid's career as a senior and you just, you got a gut feeling and you're like, Oh, I know, like this is a guy. Um, sometimes it might be, you know, early on in his high school career and, um, and the process takes a little bit longer and maybe it's a, you know, track and follow type deal or, or something like that. But there's lots of different, different ways in which people go about it. Um, and it also really depends on, on your level, um, of play at the division two, um, in Hawaii, I know that it was a lot of times we would recruit later in the high school career because a lot of kids uh, are set on going to a division one and they only want to go to a D1 and until, you know, they get later in their high school career career and realize maybe D1 is not in their future, then they start entertaining the thought of a division two school. So there's definitely some niches for timing and, and how the recruiting process works for the different levels. Um, division three schools actually can't offer athletic money. Um, so that's also something that's a little bit challenging. Um, D twos and D threes will recruit a lot of junior college players. Um, for the same reason, the JC guys are kind of running out of time in their college career. And if they aren't division one ready by their sophomore year, then 
and they want to continue playing baseball, usually, you know, a D2, D3, or NAIA may provide an opportunity, and kids are more open to that as their um, junior college, sophomore years are coming to an end. So, um, yeah, recruiting is kind of crazy, and there's a lot that goes into it, but hopefully that provides a little insight. Yeah. That does, and uh, I'm going to take us just a, a step back. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but just want to get your perspective towards uh, parents that have a, a lot younger, um, you know, kids that are looking at athletics right now. And you could just speak on, you know, on the behalf of baseball and what you what your opinion is. But um, and I know you did for a long time um, individual lessons. When what what do you think is the right age for uh, you know baseball players to start looking at? travel ball and then as well as finding a a training coach that's just a you know an individual training coach or or pitching or hitting coach i guess that's um question. yeah it's a pitching and hitting that's another question is you know if, if you right. like if you're about to say you know hitting for an eight-year-old but you know when is a a, a young athlete ready for pitching as well because that's that's a different you know topic yeah definitely a couple of different questions but I'll start with hitting first. I would say the earlier you can get good instruction and good mechanics on the swing, the better. The thing that I hate to see is guys that get bad instruction at an early age or no instruction and therefore are not having success. And now that changes, um, you know, their opinion on the game. It's dealing with failure is tough for anybody. Um, but failing in front of a team or in front of your family and your friends and peers, it's something that's very challenging. So if you have bad fundamentals from an early age and you can't have fun and success while you play, then now that might shape that kid's career and maybe he doesn't want to play anymore and he ends up leaving the game. So that's what I hate to see. Um, so from a hitting standpoint, I think getting the fundamentals and the proper training um, at an early age is really important. Um, and from a pitching standpoint, it's a little bit different of a question. Um, you're still growing and going through it. I think uh, at an early age, if you just focus on mechanics and movement, um, I think that's a great place to start. Uh, but as far as like specific, um, you know, pitch coaching, whether it's pitch design or tunneling, um, you know, velocity ramp ups, you name it, you know, there's a lot of different training programs out there. I think maybe as they get into the high school uh, arena and they're a little bit closer to you know, maturity and, uh, their strength and all those things are kind of catching up with their body. I think that's a better time for that. Um, but yeah, those things, training's happening earlier and earlier now, and there's definitely a, a lot of options out there. What, what should, and, and, you know, my experience that I did a lot of, of individual training or, uh, teaching, you know, as, as younger kids look to improve in sports, what, what should they, can mm -hmm. you kind of mention that, you know, finding a good instructor, not a bad instructor. Um, what should they look for in an instructor? And, and my personal opinion, it doesn't, you know, you don't go into that instructor and say, Hey, show me your stats from when you played. Um, obviously if they mm -hmm. did well, that's great. But um, you can also find someone that had mediocre stats and they could still be a good instructor. So what, what should they look at or when they're trying to find an instructor for their kid? a great question i think uh someone who can communicate well is going to be you know very important somebody with some some good experiences um i would say coaching experience is something that i look for as opposed to playing experience 
playing experience is great. Um, but some guys have a tough time communicating what they did into translating into coaching. Um, but you know, if you have a coach who's coached at a variety of different levels, um, then you know that they have the kind of the teacher mentality mindset. Um, but then again, you know, not all coaches are great coaches. Um, so really being able to figure out like, okay, maybe you get a referral from a friend and this person's really good because X, Y, and Z. Um, and just trying to figure out like, who do they work with? Like what kind of teaching styles do they have? Do they communicate well with my child and does it resonate with them? I think, um, coaches that relate with a player and really focus on getting your individual player better is really important and pushing, um, what works well for your son or daughter, um, as opposed to, well, this is how I did things and this is how I teach because as coaches, it's not about, it's not about the coach. It's about the player and getting the player better. So if they take a first mentality, that's always a good sign as an instructor. Um, guys that want to make a individualized, um, you know, custom program for your kid, um, is good. Somebody who can address your son's needs, son or daughter's needs. Um, and I think from a baseball standpoint is very important, but also from a learning standpoint, um, somebody who can communicate in different, um, in different ways, whether it's visually, whether it's, um, you know, through words, um, whether it's maybe a side-by-side, like a video of a pro player and then your son, um, also understanding like movement patterns and how the body works. So having a background in that is very important. Um, and then from a strength and conditioning side, you know, are there limitations? Um, do we need to improve in certain areas that's going to help translate into whatever skill we're working on? Um, so somebody, somebody that really understands the whole person and developing, developing the person, not just the player, um, building those relationships and, and understanding that you are building a person, um, and there's more to it than just developing a good swing or just developing, you know, the ability to throw the ball hard. Um, so there's a lot that goes into finding a good instructor, but hopefully, hopefully some of that insight will help. Yeah, I think that's very well put. If you know, developing a person, not just a not just a player. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and use that in the future. You got it. As we're heading to the tail end of our conversation here, I'm gonna make one more jump to understanding now. You know that that moving on from that next level, whether you're a high school player, a JUCO player, NAI D one, two, or three, and you have potential to be a professional athlete. What is that? that difference in, in, you know, the the athletes at that level or baseball players at that level and becoming drafted. Um, and then also, you know, what, what's actually the reality of going pro because it, it, you know, I know I, I wish I had a stat off the top of my head and you might know it, but I remember one a long time ago that, you know, it's, it's less than a 1% chance. What, what is the major differences in a, a collegiate, or even high school, because we draft high school players and a professional athlete? It's a really good question. Um, basically, the pro draft and how it works is you're drafting tools and skill sets. Obviously, having success and good stats um, helps, but at the end of the day, you're, you're drafting guys that 
you want to be successful and have an impact on your professional organization in the big leagues. So you will see guys every year that may not have the best statistics who will get drafted and get an opportunity to play pro baseball because they throw 95 miles an hour or they can hit a ball 450 feet and flash, you know, above average raw power or they run a six, four sixty um, and are extremely fast. So the tool set and um, you know, your size and strength and all those different things come into play and just your raw ability. Um, and every team is different with how they draft, right? So some guys want more of a polished player. Um, some guys are open to projects and, you know, maybe they have a really good player development system and are open to, to working with guys and know that their player development staff can teach these guys how to be more polished. And we're going to take these tools and kind of shape them um, into the player we want them to be. So you have a lot of different, um, a lot of different areas, but just a good thing to go off of as a player is they always grade your tools and those being your speed, your defensive ability, your arm strength, um, how you hit, and then can you hit for power? And so those are the big tools and throw in your character and work ethic and those things that are kind of the, you know, the, the bonus ones. Um, but it really comes down to raw tools and if you have raw tools and they're plus raw tools, then you got a good shot. Um, and if, uh, if you don't, then it becomes very, very challenging. Okay. And then uh, I got these, you know, I get to that next level. I'm a professional athlete now or semi-professional athlete. I'm trying to get to the major leagues. Um, obviously all these raw skills, they played a part. Now it's time to apply them. When it gets to that professional or semi-pro level, is it now, um, you know, majority of just ooh, performance, right? How am I staying? Am I hitting, you know, am I a 300 plus hitter? Am I hitting home runs? What is it? Now I'm at that level that gets me to the ultimate goal of becoming a major league, major leaguer. Um, it's still more of the, the same process. Um, having success is really important, but also it comes down to the organization's investment in you. Um, you know, where you kind of, where you kind of fit. Um, and then, you know, how you're valued within the organization. Um, and, uh, your, yeah, your production and your tools. And if that organization thinks that you're going to be an asset in the big leagues, um, those are the guys that, that have the ability to move throughout the organization and hopefully help the big league club. Um, so there's a lot more to it than just having good statistics or, okay. or having production in the minor league levels. Um, it's really a, a focus on player development and can this player help us win in the big leagues? Okay. You know, I guess a open-ended question here. This will kind of be the, the last one before we do a quick little uh, fun speed round that we do at the end of uh, every conversation. Any, you know, just general advice you have as more specific to, you know, parents or current athletes that are young athletes, whether they're before high school or high school, as they're looking um, to move on to that next level, just one, you know, a few sentences that are solid advice as they look to get to that next level. Um, jumping from which level? Uh, just really, we'll just focus on as they're, you know, high schoolers trying to make it to the next level. I mean, you've talked about a lot of information for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. 
but uh, just like you said, it's just a solid advice. Yeah, I would say make sure that your academics are the number one priority so that you can get into every school that is looking to recruit you. So don't limit yourself because of academics. Um, make sure that you are prepared um, physically and mentally um, for the challenges of being a student athlete at the next level. Um, you know, time management and all those things come into play when you're looking at your strength and conditioning, your practice time, your homework time, the time that you have to be in class, maybe you're working, um, your sleep, your nutrition, all those different things. Like it all comes down to time management. So practicing those skills now in high school. Um, so that way when you're on your own, um, you'll be prepared. And then obviously developing, um, the best work ethic that you can, um, to give yourself, um, that edge on everybody else who wants to play, uh, collegiate sports. All right. So I'm going to ask you three quick questions. It's, uh, just, uh, you know, a quick answer. It's a fun little thing, speed round. So basically what was your favorite athlete role model growing up? Um, I really liked, uh, Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez. All right. Um, favorite moment that you experienced, uh, playing baseball or playing academic baseball because you played multiple sports. So favorite moment you've ever had in a sport that you played? Um, I'd say the day I was drafted. All right. And then um, favorite professional sports moment that you got to witness? You know, this is like, you know, for me watching like, you know, I don't know, Bonds hit his uh, whatever number home run multiple times. <laughs> but that you got to um, watch. I would, yeah, watching my brother compete in the World Series and uh, and be very successful and, and hitting home runs was uh, really cool to watch him on that stage. Um, and that's probably tied with watching him participate in the home run derby. All right. And that's uh, your brother, Jock Peterson? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I really appreciate it, Tiger, taking the time um, to talk about your experience and, and experience as a coach and what people can expect. You know, I know you have a, a lot of things going on. Spring training's coming up here and a lot of preparation going in. Uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you. So Tiger Peterson, uh, AA hitting coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, Ty, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Making an Athlete podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor. Check us out at makinganathlete.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to catch our next episode.